clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. got real confused. Pittsburgh-Buffalo game will be a great game. I think it'll be a high-flying one. I think defenses always start the year slow as much as I think Buffalo's defense will be very good. Uh, by the end of the year, I think they start off slow, so I think this is a shootout. So I'm going to say that both Josh Allen and Big Ben go for four total, at least four total touchdowns each in a shootout in Pittsburgh in a Buffalo victory. So that's Josh Allen, four or more total touchdowns, and Big Ben Roethlisberger, four or more total <laughs> touchdowns. So you laughed nice. halfway through that. I wasn't sure if you heard me. I got real confused uh, with, at that I moment. I did laugh halfway through because you said you were going to go on go, and then I heard, I'm going to ready. And I was <laughs> like, what's happening? Well, at least we know it worked. Um, well, it's so funny. In the middle of the Friends Fortunate, literally, is because We can skip ahead a second me, here. Because the audio will be you laughing. No, this is very Three, important for us to listen two. to again. Go. Here we go. I All love right, Josh. So Lappin. here we go. <laughs> uh, thanks, bud. I appreciate that. Is that your friend Fortune that you just love me? Anyway, it's going to stop wasting time. I'm going to say that I expect this year to have defenses rule the roost a little bit more. We've seen so much come in with offense and high scoring football. I think week one, Adam talked about how some starters weren't playing in, in, in a lot of games across the league. Uh, the Falcons were one. Justin Herbert, we were talking about with the Chargers. I think we're going to have to see a lot more slower scoring games. I think we are going to see at least 10 teams not score more than 21 points or three touchdowns in week one of the NFL. Wow. Okay. okay. Do you do you want to say anything about yours before I say anything about mine? I will say this. I was obviously woefully wrong. I expect I, I won't say I'm surprised in the manner of like oh wow I'm surprised that this team was a defensive battle because it was the last two times they met too I'm just surprised it happened so early on the season I really expected the defenses to take a little bit extra time to gel together so I thought it was kind of fun that yours is you know opposed to what my vision was but you got it right right 
I did technically get it right. So here was my thinking with this. So last year, and we didn't really ever talk about it much to my recollection. Last year, points, uh, total points were just shattered in the NFL. It was the highest scoring year in the NFL ever. Uh, so I was kind of expecting a comeback off of that. I was technically correct. There were 13 teams that oh did score 21 or more. But as much as I was like, good for me, that also happened last year in week one. It was also 13 teams that didn't score 21 points. Oh, wow. That's f- so, yeah, I don't remember that. But I don't remember so that So I either. technically got it right, but it's like, who cares? That happened before. So I was kind. I was right, but okay. it's not that okay. special. It's well, not that still, special. one to nothing to Josh Lab. You did always say that I'm always more bold than I need to be, but that would be uh, Washington, Indianapolis, uh, the Jets, Carolina, Tennessee, Buffalo, Atlanta, um, <laughs> Green Bay, the New York Giants, uh, Miami, New England, and Chicago, the 13 teams that did not score 21 points. Uh, although, I wait, did you, if it was 21, then the Chargers, I guess, count too because they only scored 20. Um, but regardless, yeah. nice. Well done. At least yours was not hilariously wrong like mine. <laughs> well, that would have been real exciting had yours been correct. That's true. Though. I thought it was going to happen. But anyway, welcome into Simultaneous Catch, folks. Welcome into the over the most overreaction of overreaction weeks ever in the NFL after week one. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. My name is Josh Starr. Josh Starr. Welcome to the show. Missed you. So, yeah, um, lots, of, lots of great action. I, I got to say, I was just so happy on Sunday. And I know it sucked to lose. Um, although I think that it's a lot easier to lose when you know your team's still good. I don't know if it's like a weird thing. And we'll talk about the the Bills a little bit later. Uh, but I don't know about you, but like you, you've always as a Packer fan been so calm sometimes during some losses in the regular season. And I don't know if that's because you're just used to them being in the postseason, but like after a couple years in a row being in the postseason now and being in the AFC title game, it's a lot easier to swallow a week one loss. Yeah, I mean, nothing is won or lost in in week one. I mean, it's great to have your team start 1-0. and That's a great feeling. You're undefeated. But there are 17 games. There's an extra game here. This right. is the longest right. season we've ever seen in the NFL. So there's going to be a lot of action yet to come. So I feel like there's no reason to overreact to a week one loss or even a win, for that matter. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So let's overreact a little bit. Let's get into Ray Ray Recall. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, bud. Yeah, so I have a recall that maybe you're laughing because I told you what it is already. Amazing. Over the text match. But I have a <laughs> recall, and that is never, ever, ever listening to, agreeing with, or saying that you're right again. <laughs> All off season, you have been pumping up the Atlanta freaking Falcons and you got me thinking and, and I, I stepped back and I looked and I thought about all the reasons we talked about last week, why they could potentially be a wild card team getting in there with the the new coach, a weaker schedule, et cetera. I was talking about the veteran leadership of Matt Ryan and obviously getting Kyle Pitts there with their, their first pick. And I was like, you know what? This team really could maybe be something. And they came out and they looked awful and I lost a palace pick because of it. And you know, I'm just, I'm just, Yep, I'm done. Anytime Adam Rossi says I feel good about this, I'm just gonna I'm gonna know to go the opposite direction. First of all, great instinct. Second of all, <laughs> I want to say, I admittedly, 
I really, really, and again, everybody who listens to this show, I, I'm the dramatic one. I'm the one that goes out on a limb. So I look like a fool far more often than you do because you're very smart and measured typically with your, with your, with your, <laughs> your takes and all that stuff. And that's very clever. So I do look like a fool often. But I will say, in the first quarter of that game, I thought I was totally going to be right because the first, again, they, they struggled in the red zone with the, the, the two, only getting two field goals, but their first two drives were 10 plus play drives, methodical, picking up first downs on third down, uh, peppering in Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis and getting the ball to Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts made a couple catches and it was like, oh man, I was right. This offense is good. This offense is great and on timing. And once they were out of the script, and once Jalen Hurts decided to go nuts, it was just over. There, and I and I do have a stat that I was going to bring up in tidbits, but because you brought it up, I will say. So according to Pro Football Fork, Fo- Focus, excuse me, the Falcons forecast. had forecast <laughs> the Falcons had the league's worst pass blocking efficiency yet uh, on Sunday. Uh, it also concluded that Ryan that Matt Ryan was responsible for zero hits, sacks, hurries, or pressures he faced. So basically, Pro Football Focus concluded that the left guard uh, Mayfield and the right tackle McGarry were responsible for ninety-two point eight percent of the pressures that Matt Ryan faced. So their left guard and their right tackle were responsible for ninety-two percent of the pressures, hurries, and sacks, meaning that snap guys were already past them in Ryan's face. So. This is a huge issue that I did not foresee. I did not think their offensive line would be this terrible. And the, you know, Philly does have a decent uh, defensive line. I do think that maybe it was such a dramatic win. It can't all be bad Falcons, you know? Like, that fa- the Philly defensive line looked really good. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, they did. The 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 offense really sputtered, and their defense. No, I mean they don't. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> and their defense could not do a thing. And it was I am I am now fascinated to watch Philly and see truly if they are a team that's going to be, you know, I don't know, I don't I don't even want to say like in contention because I don't feel that they will be. But that offense is fun, man. They have got a lot of really fun weapons on that team. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Atlanta was absolutely embarrassed, undressed in front of the let's, entire country. <laughs> let's talk about this for a quick second because I also I very willingly jumped on the the Philly. I don't want to say hate train, but I didn't think they were going to do much of anything this year. And I stepped back and I asked myself why I thought that so strongly. Because sure, while they struggled last year, and obviously they had the change from Wentz to Hurts in the middle of the year, but even when Hurts took over, and we talked about it in defense of Hurts, he did not play poorly. They have a pretty strong defense. Defensive line's good. They have a shaky secondary, but we could see if somebody steps up there. Maybe yeah. big play slay becomes big play slay again. Why? Why were so many people down on Philly right. in such a hard way? Well, and I don't know. And and the reality is, you know, I joked. Um, in one of the fantasy drafts I did that uh, Gardner Minshew is going to start halfway through the season, and I've joked around that a lot. But on our prediction episode, Jalen Hurts was my breakout because I we both agreed. We don't know why him and guys like him and Tua were being thrown away so quickly, but 
27 for 35, 264, three touchdowns. I think he added 62 yards on the ground as well, seven carries. Spread the ball around. Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager, their uh, last two first-round pick receivers, both had six catches and a touchdown. Dallas Goddard had four catches and a touchdown. I mean, spreading the ball around, running the offense. Miles Sanders got involved. I mean, he just totally had control of that offense, and I don't care how bad your defense is. You 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 don't have that great of a performance if you're not really good. It doesn't matter. I mean, right. It's still an NFL defense. I mean, there are NFL players on that defense. And, and uh, no, I'll save this for a segment that I want to do in a little bit. So okay, yeah, no, I mean, cool. I think it definitely. I agree with you. You can't. It doesn't matter if you're the 32nd ranked defense. You still have to. You're still going to put something in front of a player like Jalen Hurts for you to have a really complete game like that. That was just solid all around from Philly. Yep, five tackles for loss and three sacks um, from the Philly defense too. So all around, and they, um, they're going to have a lot of a, a lot of tests coming up in here, and I'll be interested to see what they look like against the NFC East as we continue forward as well. So awesome, yes. Yeah, so I do have a rant. And my rant's going to get a little, uh, I don't want to say emotional, but I'm very upset about this. Ooh. I'm very upset about this. Oh, okay. So, you going to cry? No, I'm not going to cry. So uh. I am so, so sick and tired of, of negativity. I am so over it. And we're in a handful of, of fantasy leagues, right? So... And this this happens in a lot of I'm not I'm actually I want to say this if anybody who's in any fantasy league with us because we're in a lot of them and I'm also in other ones that other people aren't in like you know what I mean so this is not singling out one group but this is overall and also stuff that I saw on Twitter uh, stuff I heard people say in, in in reaction videos that they posted on social media stuff like this I am so sick and tired of people being so negative about everything. And I'm not talking about like friendly jibbing. I'm talking about nasty trash talking. It started when I saw a Steeler fan talking to a Bills fan in one of the groups that I'm in and was just like, hey, F you, go Steelers. And that's not that's not like fun trash talking, it's right? Witty. That's just being rude and stupid to me. And I've and that that's just one example of uh, like sports should be a coming together. We've talked about this on the show so many times. This is why we love sports. This is why we love football. It's bigger than football. And I hate I absolutely hate when people bring in stuff like that and it starts to become not fun, right? Because it's, it's you know, you and I poke fun at each other all the time. It's fun to trash talk a little bit when in friendly competition. But when it starts to getting like just calling people stupid or calling people idiots or saying F you or F this or you suck or you're terrible or they're awful, it's just that's not fun to me anymore at least. And I just don't think that that's what it should be about. I think that it should be about nice, friendly competition ribbing amongst friends and that kind of stuff but when it, when we're getting down to the just absolutely juvenile and ignorant stuff like that it just drives me up a wall and I just wanted to say I, like I said my team lost I had so much fun on Sunday and I'm gonna be honest with you this last month and a half has been really really hard and I could not wait for football on Sunday and it was just wonderful to sit down you know, during some commercials, I did some grading of papers for my classes, uh, and I was flipping back and forth between different games. Uh, you know, I had I, I made some 
you know, they're not really chicken wings, but I had like marinated chicken overnight. So I made this really cool like <laughs> buffalo chicken and off and in, in, in honor of buffalo. It was just a really nice day. And then all these people were being so negative. And I don't understand why that's something that would fuel your fire. But I just really hope that if you're one of those people and I don't really think any of them are listening to the show anyway. I don't know half of them anyway, but I just would hope and pray that you find a different vice or at least find the positivity in it and start being happier because I'm way too old and have been through too much to deal with that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, it's just, I'm, I'm over it. It makes me sad. Well, you're wrong, idiot. That's right. F you. <laughs> idiot, idiot, idiot. This is, this is Dwight, by the way. <laughs> Anyway, that's my rant. Yeah, no, that's you're you're right. I think especially, I mean, there were so many good stories that came out before the game because obviously we right. were celebrating. Celebrating is not the right word. Honoring the anniversary of nine eleven, right? And what the what the game meant for for that uh, about people coming together and whatnot. Right. So you're right. And I just I agree think- with you on that. It's not cool to focus on the negatives or attack people. Right. Should be uh, coming together. And even if your team puts up three points uh, in opening weekend, you know, it's still football's here and we can sit there and and at least try to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. No, you're, yeah. Again, we don't have to dwell on it. It's one of the, throw it out there and uh, move on. Okay, cool. Uh, Let's get into some news and notes. What we got for today? We've got a lot of injuries. Yeah, so. There are a lot of injuries, including the newly minted within the hour. Uh, Jerry Judy has been put on IR ah, for six weeks. Poor guy. So that's a it's a pretty big one. We were expecting big things from Jerry Judy, and he was playing really and well. And he was looking uh, really good, yes. The ankle sprain. Yeah, he was playing really, really well. So obviously that is a really deep room there in Denver. So we'll have to see wide receivers like Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, who is also playing well. K.J. Hamler started coming on his uh, second year a little bit as well so we will see that wide receiver group for about a month without the first round pick jerry judy denver also lost uh ronald back or cor- ronald back cornerback ronald, ronald darby love it he is placed on ir as well saw that um i am not quite sure the status of marshawn Lattimore for new orleans i know that he is getting surgery but i believe is deemed week to week he's getting surgery on his thumb which was injured yep so new orleans may or may not be without their star cornerback running back raheem Mostert to undergo knee surgery he will now miss the season season at first surgery at first, it was just going to be a, about six to eight weeks that he was going to miss, but he elected to go with the surgery instead, which will probably be best for him in the long run, not only football career, but life as well. He also is going to become a free agent after this year, so could be looking out for uh, prospective deals in that way. So that is a big one to go down. Yeah. Who else? Who else is uh, getting hurt? Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Washington football team. Did they? I, I I know he was placed on IR, but was it short term or is he out for the season? I haven't read. That is a that is short term. Okay, IR, I thought so. We could see him return this season within that four to six week period as well. So, but that that's a big one. Uh, he only played a few series before right he went down. right and they didn't score a touchdown when he was the starter it was tyler heineke who threw that touchdown pass to logan thomas in the third quarter yeah 
Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. He will Taylor Heineke will also be obviously starting on Thursday night against the Giants coming up here. And yeah, I mean it's crazy, especially a guy like Raheem Mostert, who you know obviously had had. had that huge playoff run where they went to the Super Bowl and had that five touchdown game against Green Bay in the title game. And then the following year, last year, got injured along with Jimmy G and seemingly the entire 49ers offense. And two carries, 20 yards, and hurts his knee. It's just so sad to see 29-year-old running back. You hope that he somehow comes back, but the reality of the NFL in general, but especially the 49ers, is they had a rookie who we didn't expect to step up, run for 100 yards, and score a touchdown and break a rookie NFL record for running. So it's just uh, for, for a rookie. So, I mean, it's it's the NFL comes at you fast, and people come in and out. I mean, we have injuries every year for sure. Um but I guess my question to you is, which one do we think is like the biggest one so far for week one that'll impact the most? Hmm. Impact the most as in like impact their team in a negative way or will just create the biggest storyline? Uh, one or the other, whichever one you think. Uh, well, I will say this. I think create the biggest storyline may be Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington because in my opinion – here is a, I don't think it's a hot take, but I think Tyler Heineke is actually the better quarterback for the Washington football team yeah, right I, now at this point. Taylor, anyways. Taylor Heineke looked great in that playoff game for sure. He looked great in the playoff game. I don't think he played poorly against the Chargers when he came in. There were a lot of stories that he may have been performing better in camp and winning the number one job over Fitzpatrick to begin with. I'm not sure if that's true. I don't know if they felt compelled to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick because he signed there to kind of be the starter of the whole Andy Dalton situation that just maybe not be getting the attention of Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Yeah. But I think Heineke <laughs> might be ready to take over and be kind, become something that we talk about. So yeah. I think in terms of storyline, it very well may be that one. Or maybe I'm totally wrong, and this is was going to be uh, an overreaction, underreaction kind of thing that I was going to – kind of segue into here after news and notes with you as we're facing overreaction Monday. Maybe they go out and sign a Cam Newton and he reunites with Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera. So we'll we'll certainly see. But I do think in terms of storylines, that very well could be the biggest biggest injury that we see yeah, here ta- so far. Taylor Heineke, along with what you said, 11 of 15, 122 yards and touchdown. Played pretty darn well. Uh, also had three carries, averaged 5.7 yards in those carries. I mean, it really did move the offense. It, we'll have to see as we move forward. You know, the the more teams in this NFC East go down, the more likely it looks that our picks of, of Dallas will be will be pretty solid. I know that Mike had said in the episode he believes pretty confidently that Dallas runs away with the division. I know that we said we didn't believe that necessarily so much. But obviously, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, every team in the East except for Philly lost. So Philly's in first place right now. So <laughs> Philly, uh, yeah, but absolutely. So any other news notes you want to get into? I just want to talk real quick about the COVID outbreak that is hitting the Saints right now. Mm-hmm. There are multiple coaches, coaching assistants. I believe it is six. There are six. Yes, six. Six assistant coaches, a team nutritionist, and a wide receiver, Michael Thomas, who is currently on the pup list. They all tested positive for COVID. The seven staff members, at least, are all vaccinated so hopefully they don't have any long-term effects or anything is of that nature. New Orleans still not being at home due to the Hurricane Ida 
and everything that's impacting New Orleans in such a strong way there. They are still on the road. They'll be heading to take on your Carolina Panthers this Sunday. They will now effectively have to go into COVID protocols, that meaning that everyone has to wear a mask and get daily testing regardless of a player's vaccination status. So they are going to have to monitor that very, very closely, and we just hope that we don't see anything be postponed, prolonged, uh, see any other players, coaches, etc. become sick due to that. So I think that was worth note. Yeah, definitely something worth worth watching. And we a lot of people thought, and I mean, we both picked Green Bay, but a lot of people thought that the Saints might not come out ready to go with all the issues going on with that and not being in their home stadium. And this is just another obstacle. We'll see if it strengthens them or, or kind of breaks them here. Obviously, LASIK Jameis Winston was in full force on Sunday. Five total touchdowns. I think they said it's the least amount of yardage a quarterback has ever thrown for while throwing five touchdowns since like 1960 something. It was a crazy stat. But obviously, I very well could believe that. Yeah. So it's been <laughs> on like 19 passes. Right. Too, 19, it, wasn't it, was, of, it wasn't a lot of throws. It was insane. So. Yeah, well, it's something to be monitored for sure. Could be a big game in Carolina. Both both teams one and zero for sure. Okay, so I do have a bigger than football. I slipped this in into the rundown after I had sent you the rundown. So I apologize. Uh, Let's hear it. <laughs> but so obviously we had a really really fun game on Monday night, the Ravens and Raiders, uh, with a big upset by the Raiders. But the big storyline for me was Max Crosby, the defensive end for the Raiders, and they. Kind of talked about it on the broadcast a little bit, but I wanted to highlight this. Uh, for those of you who have never listened to a Bigger Than Football segment before, we don't have them every week. We have them every now and then when we find a story that we feel really solidifies one of the big reasons why Josh and myself both really love football is that sports in general, and especially football for us, is way bigger than the, than the sport itself. It makes a, it can make us the best versions of ourselves and help us deal with some real serious life things. And so the story of Max Crosby was that right around the time that the pandemic started, Max Crosby, the d- uh, defensive end for for the now Las Vegas Raiders, admitted that he was an alcoholic and he checked himself into a rehab facility and as of March, I believe it was March 17th 2021 he was exactly one year sober so he's a little bit over an entire year sober and it was one of the stories that they had mentioned on the on the on the um on the broadcast and he had an awesome game on Monday night he had four total tackles two sacks and two tackles for a loss he was all over the field for for the Raiders. And I know we were already kind of following the bigger than football big news of Carl Nassib who came out over the offseason. He also had a sack. Um, So this was just a really huge win overall. But I just wanted to point out just the fact that uh, Max Crosby was on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Bussin' with the Boys podcast where he talked about his journey of being one year sober and about how Darren Waller, the tight end for the Raiders, the star tight end who also had a big game on Monday night, coming out and talking about his struggles with how he had to get right before he finally could could play to his full potential and just how inspiring that was for him and that just being able to be around the team now and having them support him and and play something that he loves he said he feels better than he ever has and he's 
playing better than he ever has. And he obviously showed out on Monday Night Football in that huge win in, in the first home game with fans in that big new Vegas stadium. Uh, it's just an awesome story of perseverance, somebody recognizing that they have a problem and getting help, recognizing getting help as a strength, and having an outlet like competitive football and a team around you that can become a family and a support system. I just think it's really awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think having a teammate there like Darren Waller who trials and tribulations and triumph over that is well documented and having him be there as as somebody to turn to and a confidant and a mentor is obviously extremely help, help, helpful Excuse me, for somebody like Crosby to to come out and, and to turn his life around and, and for the better. So that's really, really cool. Thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had planned to have it on and I forgot to put it on the rundown, but um, really cool story. Uh, and a, a cool team to continue to watch as we go in, as the uh, AFC and NFC uh, Wests are both undefeated now. All right. So returning to a segment that we didn't have enough last year, but we're bringing it back and it's time for Crushing It. Crushing it. Yep. <laughs> you can't agree with me or say anything with me, can you? That's terrible. I didn't I didn't know where we were going. Oh, I'm sorry. It's on the rundown, isn't it? Okay, well, I don't have my phone in front of me with the text. That's my that's my fault. That's on me. Alright, so we got you got a crushing it for us? Yeah, I can certainly have one. I think it is a player that I talked up a little bit. Not not too much, but I think, you know, Darren Waller, going back to those Las Vegas Raiders, you know, really the Raiders as a whole, it did not start out cleanly whatsoever. But last year they opened their brand new multi-billion dollar arena, stadium, whatever you want to call it, all the above. And they refused to have fans, and they said either they were going to come together or there was going to be no one there. They finally got to welcome fans in on Monday night to really break in that stadium and it was an awesome game obviously they won but Darren Waller I think deserves a crush in it he was targeted I think it was something crazy I don't have that specific stat line in front of me but something crazy like seven of Carr's first 10 passes and he brought down one of those catches but he ended the night with 19 targets over 100 total yards this guy definitely deserves a crush in it and that is awesome so way to be Darren Waller not only lighting it up on the field but like we just said being a mentor for your teammates as well you're crushing it, man. Love it. All right. My crushing it. Everybody, make sure you're guarding your kneecaps because we're going to Detroit, Michigan. We're going to the Detroit what? Lions. And, guys, this is – They lost. I know. And it's awesome. And I love it. So, listen to this. The first two drives in the first quarter of the Dan Campbell era for the Detroit Lions, six plays, turnover on downs. Uh, second drive, six plays, missed field goal. Those were the first two drives of the Dan Campbell era. They then went on to be down in the third quarter, 38-10, to and 41-14 to in the fourth quarter. Game's over, right? Totally forgot about it, wasn't even looking at it. And then, turn it on, they go, uh, touchdown, Jamal Williams, one-yard touchdown, 41-25, Jared Groff, Short left to Quinton Cephas, two yards, touchdown, 41-33. Oh, my goodness, it's a football game again. Then there's a fumble. They get the ball back. They end up turning over on downs. Or they, get the, they get the ball back after the fumble, and 
they drive the ball all the way down to the 30-yard line. I mean, they are within striking range, end up not being able to finish it off. But Dan Campbell talked about knocking, getting knocked down and just not staying down. And boy, was he right. And you had said this when we were texting during it about Jared Goff just kind of shutting up all the haters. And I mean, I, I'll admit, I myself was one of those people. I talked about many times, and it's documented on our show. The only time I really raved about Jared Goff was in that one NFC title game against the Saints where we talked about the big blown call, obvious blown call that kept New Orleans out of the Super Bowl. But I talked about this is the first time that I was watching Jared Goff being and thinking to myself, wow, he's great. And I haven't really seen that from Jared Goff in a long time. And Jared Goff was pretty darn good in this game. Uh, he finished with 38 completions, 338 yards, and three touchdowns. He did have one interception, uh, but did a fantastic job. Uh, there wasn't a crazy run game. There was a little bit of run game presence. He had three receivers with eight catches, uh, both of his running backs and his tight end. I mean, he just spread the ball all over the field and it was just awesome to see a team that could have so easily. Everybody thought that they were going to get crushed. I thought they were going to get crushed. And they were getting crushed. It was just awesome to see a team be like, you know what? No, we're not going down like that. We're not going down like this. And just come back and, and come back with that kind of fire. It was really cool to see. The Dan uh, Dan Campbell era started could obviously have started off better if they had won. But... Judging on the fact that nobody expected them to win, I don't really know if it could have been better. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think, obviously, like you said, to to get back into a game like that, because I was in the same boat. I was flipping between all the games, and I saw the state of that one. I was like, yeah, this isn't that exciting. And then all of a sudden it was to, to make a comeback like that, to have that will. I think that is definitely a reflection on the head coach. That could be an overreaction on Overreaction Monday. We'll have to see if it sticks around. Right. Or he could just be totally awful. But for week one, I think for a loss, that's as good a loss as you could have for the for sure. state of the organization moving forward. For sure. Yeah. All right. So let's move into our little weekend review. We've been talking about a lot of games. There are a couple of games I wanted to highlight here. Let's talk about the Thursday night opener first, Tampa Bay and Dallas. What an awesome opener it was. Obviously, Tampa Bay winning. Uh, 31 to 29 against Dallas. Dak Prescott looking really good, threw the ball a lot. Uh, Tom Brady looked mostly really good, had a couple of bad plays here and there. Uh, one interception at the end of the half that, you know, is kind of like a, we just threw it up anyway. Uh, but really, really great game. Josh had a couple questions for our Dallas correspondent that he sent over to me. Uh, he did ask about how much faith does Dallas and you, the fan, have in Greg Zerline? Obviously, Greg Zerline had some issues with kicking. Uh, do we think it was week one jitters or a kicker recovering? Things like that. Uh, and then talking about offense finding balance, balance. A lot of people did talk about Zeke playing poorly, although you and I both agree we don't necessarily agree he played that poorly. In fact, I think he was sensational in pass blocking in that game. Um, I think that was important. Yes. Super important. Huge. Uh, and it, but now you did make this point. Four out of f five of Dak's last starts, the outlier being the, the Giants game that he was thrown into. Um, 47, 57, 58, and 58 pass attempts. And the only win was that incredible Atlanta comeback game. We just asked for his thoughts. Um, he did respond about the... But the, the the Legatron Greg Zerline thing saying it was tough. Uh, they, he wanted to say that he doesn't have a ton of confidence at all, but he did drill the forty eight yarder uh, to to give them the lead at the end of the game. Before obviously Tom Brady was Tom Brady after missing the the chip shot extra point. 
Um, if they had made another 31-yarder, they they could have won. Uh, but he did come up in clutch at the end. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I think he did did say, you know, in the long run, maybe it would be okay. But if the next few weeks it's kind of shaky, he said, get rid of him right away. Uh, Mike did say, and I'll, I'll quote this for, for him so that we don't misquote it because I want your thoughts too. He said, the questions about balance are – are a little, I think, being overblown. I also think Zeke had a great game, albeit not for a $90 million running back, but uh, he was blocking off his rear rear end all night long, kept Dak upright on some tough blitzes. We both agree. I think he was sensational with that. I uh, didn't run particularly well, and he said, but Kellen Moore is a smart coordinator and knows that if you're missing Zach Martin, your best run blocker, and a couple and, and linemen as a whole, you're going to you're, and you're going against a top seven defense, it's pointless to keep running if there's short gains. Uh, he goes on a little bit about that. And I do think that's a really good point is that this was a really tough defense. And I, I think that Zeke did look really good, especially on a couple of runs. And pass blocking, I thought he was sensational because they were coming at Dak. Um, and he was pretty clean for most of the night. And uh, yep. but, but you're right. There is interesting to see it. when they start to face other teams with worse... Uh, rushing defenses, I'll be intrigued to see if they do try to get some of that balance. But since you were the ones that asked the questions, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, th- I, I agree. I'm taking Tampa Bay Thursday Night Football as an outlier. I think they had a ferocious front they needed. We talked about the ankle and keeping Dak upright. Zeke needed to protect and keep his quarterback upright, which he did phenomenally. But I do think... I don't think the whole balance thing is being overblown because we're talking about four of those last five games that Dak Prescott was in outside the time he broke his ankle. He threw the ball over, you said the numbers, 47, it was, 57, 58, Yeah, it's over 58. like 45 so times every time. We're, we're not talking about it just being against Tampa. We are talking about the Cleveland Browns and the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't even remember who some of those other games were against, but I think... Zeke was utilized more in those games than he was Thursday night, but we can't be having a guy that was coming off a shoulder strain injury chucking the football 60 times every week. We need to get back to running the football. And Zach Martin coming back is going to be huge. He's going to make his 2021 debut against, I believe it's the Chargers they're playing this week. I could be wrong on that, but he will be out there, and I think that's going to be a huge boon for the offensive line. But just like that, the offensive line took a big hit with Lyle Collins. He's now suspended for uh, substance abuse policy, so he's going to miss a handful of games. So, you know, you add your your guard in, but you lose one of your tackles. So this is going to be a thing, and we can't just expect Dak to to be Superman every single time his arm will wear out. Yeah, well, and and the reality is the defense did look a lot better at times in that game. Obviously, they came up with a couple of clutch turnovers and a couple of nice stops against this this offense that everybody talked about was returning and Antonio Brown looking like the world beater that he once was with Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. It, it was nuts. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, and the reality is it might just be a luck thing. I did ask that and Mike does think, yeah, it's probably a luck thing in the defense. Uh, I think we're all in agreement, though, about the outlier of the Bucks because I will say this. The Buccaneers are the first First team in NFL history to lose the turnover margin by at least three, incur 100 total penalty yards, allow 450 yards, and still win the game. So yeah, the game was pretty nuts overall. Uh, Mike did share that stat with me, but I, I agree with you. This is something that we're going to have to watch. And the reality is, is they might, you know, as unlucky as they have been with games where Dak has thrown it all over the yard, uh, they might luck out even more given the fact that Fitzpatrick just went down. We, you did mention that. Taylor Heineke might be the better option, and we'll see that for sure. Uh, the Giants looked 
Pretty not great against Denver, even though I did say that I think Denver would be great. And we don't know about Philly, who just looked awesome. So the division could still be in flux and still be not that great, and they could still win the division for sure. Obviously, we both still picked them. Uh, but it was an awesome way to kick off the week, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I will say this before we move on, talking about that defense, because I remember when you were talking about how to pick the divisional winner, you were talking about Washington's defense uh, versus – Dallas's defense and which one could step up to kind of counterbalance their respective strengths and whatnot. I will say this about the defense because while they did give up a lot of points, like you were saying, they did play really well. And just going back to their bye week, which was week 11 last year, since then, they've had 20 takeaways. Jordan Lewis's yeah. fumble recovery in the fourth quarter in, on Monday night was their 20th takeaway since that time. And that's the most in the NFL in that span. So maybe they aren't making gigantic impact plays in terms of, of sacks, or maybe they're still giving up points, but they're taking the football away, and that can absolutely turn the tide. So they are figuring it out there. Absolutely. Uh, transitioning to one of the most fun 1 o'clock games from last week, the Vikings at the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals, with with their number one overall pick from last year, Joe Burrow coming back, ended up almost being in a good old-fashioned tie. We talked about that a, almost a, a, tie. a little bit as well. Joe Burrow finishing the game 20 of 27, 261 and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Joe Mixon had 29 carries, 127 yards and a touchdown. And the receivers, Jamar Chase knows how to catch the football, as LSU tweeted out during the game. Five catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins, four catches, 58 for a touchdown. A couple other guys with a handful of catches as well. Awesome game. Really awesome game, back and forth, and then in overtime, um, it was crazy in overtime where they just went back and forth. It was three punts, a fumble, and then the field goal, how it ended. It just was kind of all over the place in, in overtime, and it was just a really, really fun game. Kirk Cousins threw it all over the yard as well. Kirk Cousins finishing 36 of 49, 351, two touchdowns, no picks. Dalvin Cook finished with a touchdown. Adam Thielen, we talked about, oh, we just don't know if we can keep up the touchdowns, and he catches two touchdowns in this game off of 10 targets. Um, it's just nuts. It was awesome. It was cool to, cool to watch that one as the 1 o'clock games winded down. So I will say this, not to take away from anything that you're saying. It was fun, and obviously to have a game come down to the last couple of minutes of OT is exciting. We were really excited for the potential tie to happen. And not to, uh, But I'm going to be Mr. Negative here for a second. This game, in my opinion, had a lot more negatives than it did positives. Okay. Obviously great to see Joe Burrow out there on the field after his injury last year and, and to be slinging around. Great to see Jamar Chase catching the football and, and whatnot. Like you said, I, you just pointed out a lot of positives, but I just, first of all, there was a point when Joe Burrow did take, uh, took a beating and, and was limping around, limped off the field. So there were some concerns there. This is obviously a little bit of a revamped offensive line, if you will, but still, still some question marks there. As well as Kirk Cousins' stats look, I think that was it was a pretty unimpressive game for him. I think there was a lot of dinking and dunking going on that I did not love to see. And... As far as Adam Thielen, I mean, he proved me wrong for week one, but going into the fourth quarter slash overtime, he caught like five balls. Two of them were the touchdowns. And so, again, you were talking about when we talked about him fantasy-wise, he is great in the red zone, and that's great. But still, two touchdowns on five catches, that's just unsustainable 
Uh, so I, I did not love that. You know, the biggest thing that I loved, I loved seeing Joe Mixon perform well because I think he came out, he ran really well. He obviously had a lot of attempts, but it wasn't, he averaged almost four and a half yards carry. It was great to see him get back on the track after his foot injury derailed last year. And I'll say this, this is why I like to actually watch the games and as, as fun as Red Zone is, I really like to actually have the real games on to watch it go back and forth because I actually didn't do that for this game. I was... You know, just catching updates and seeing the highlights, sure, and sure, then sure. I caught the overtime, which was tense because it was overtime. It was like any at any point this game could end and it could just happen, and that's really exciting. No matter if if you know it's good or bad, it's just exciting for that reason. Um, so it's interesting yeah. that you say that with some sloppy play because I wasn't able to watch a lot of that. Um, and the stats just reflect it being being really cool. But yeah, I mean, obviously, oh, we sure no, absolutely, and and obviously, Kirk Cousins, you're never gonna complain about your quarterback throwing for 350 yards and two touchdowns with no picks for the most or part. Now, Joe Burrow <laughs> throwing two touchdowns and no picks, you're not gonna complain about that. But I do think there are some concerning things underlying these okay. stats. Yeah, I the other good takeaway that I saw, I think they did a really Cincinnati did a really good job of containing Dalvin cook, who is obviously one of the better running backs in this league. I thought their defense was really swarming and really stout against the run. They spent a ton of money on defense. I really desperately wanted to look at Cincinnati as a sleeper team this year. And I was just terrified of that offensive line. And like you said, Burrow did get beat up. So we'll see if that continues. They do have an interesting uh, matchup coming up this week against the Chicago Bears in Chicago who got beat up by by the Rams a little bit who we do all agree is going to be one of the top teams in the NFL this year so we'll uh, that will be a really interesting game to keep an eye on to see if if the Bears are better than we think they are and they just face the Rams or if the Bengals aren't as good as we thought they were and they just face the Vikings so that'll be an interesting matchup to keep an eye on heading into this next week let's get in I definitely do think that's yeah, an underrated game for watch. sure absolutely yeah. let's get into one of the highlighted game of the weeks the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cleveland Browns Cleveland totally Ooh, totally man. in control for this game for a while. They were up tw- for most yeah. a really good chunk. Yeah. They were up uh 22 to 10 for a while and in the third quarter Casey scored it was 22 to 17 the exact score of the divisional round last year and then Casey did score again and then Cleveland scored again and they were up 29 to 20 at one point in this game. The final score ended up being 33 to 29. Casey finishes on a 13 and 0 run to end the game. Uh Baker Mayfield looked like he may be driving at the end of the uh end of the game. He had completed a 19-yard pass to Kareem Hunt on a screen screen pass to get to midfield and then obviously uh kind of a tipped ball. He was like falling down as he threw it for an interception to to, to it was a bummer. It, it was a bummer brownie way to lose the game. It was. But Baker Mayfield did finish 21 of 28 for 321 yards and that one interception. Nick Chubb scored twice. Jarvis Landry scored on a run. David Njoku had a couple of huge plays. The young rookie, Anthony Schwartz, a big name that they're excited about. Uh, Odell Beckham yeah, Jr. showcased him a lot. Yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. did not play. But, of course, the simultaneous catch duo of Patrick Mahomes' 337 and three touchdowns and Travis Kelsey's six catches and two touchdowns, and the Tyreek Hill 11 catches for 197 in a touchdown was too much for the Cleveland Browns. What a game. Yeah, it was it was pretty nuts in, in a really fun way. It really, I mean, Cleveland came out and did what you need to do to beat Kansas City. They put, they slammed their foot on the gas, and they were just going for it. They went for two, a two-point conversion after their first touchdown. Right, converted. right. They knew, Kevin Stefanski knew, if they're going to take down Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you need to just 
take every knockout blow that you possibly can. And it really looked like it was working for a while, but this is such a hard team to keep down. Obviously, they are undefeated in September with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Uh, it, it's just, it's it's kind of crazy. Actually, Andy Reid is 9-0 and in his career as a head coach versus the Browns, which is uh, the second most the second best stat for for a coach versus one team without a loss in NFL history. So that's wow. crazy. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. This game. So, you know, it's it's just this is a this was a fascinating game. Kind of similar to what we were talking about um with with um sorry, blanking my, okay. my phone made a sound and I got confused for a second. Kind of talking about moral victories, if you, if you want to take that at all. This is this is a gigantic one for Cleveland because I think they showed that they're really legit. They are still missing Odell, and whether or not you're in a camp like me that the team is just fine without Odell or they're going to be the most unstoppable thing with Odell, the jury's still out. But this was this is a huge showing for them yeah. in a really great way. Obviously, Baker trying to throw the ball away as he was kind of getting pressured and tripped and didn't get the air on it that yeah. he needed to, and it was picked yeah, off. That tough. was a not fun way to end the game. But this team really showed out in a lot of great ways, and I am really really impressed. Even if they haven't won their season open season opener for seventeen years, <sighs> nuts. This is this is a this is a good one. Yeah, absolutely, and I think there's definitely more to be encouraged than to be discouraged by. The Browns get a home game against the upstart runner-up for Adams crushing it episode, Houston Texans, who went one and zero, who went one and zero, and then of course the Kansas City Chiefs have the big Sunday night football game, traveling into the Baltimore Ravens, who we are talking about next in the crazy Monday night game. Uh, I talked a lot about. The defense, obviously, with Crosby and Nassib. Um, Derek Carr looks great through for 435 yards and two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, two touchdowns. Darren Waller, you mentioned, with his targets and catches and touchdowns. Uh, Zay Jones, little little game-winning <laughs> touchdown in overtime, former Buffalo Bill. Uh, I won't talk too much about this because uh, I talked a lot about it earlier. Uh, yeah, awesome game. <clears throat> Yeah, it really was, and I said it earlier on. It didn't start that way, but it certainly ended that for way. For sure, for sure. It, it kind of looked like at one point Baltimore could have ran away with it, and I think maybe the Raiders of a couple years ago would have let it happen, but maybe we'll see if this is a flipping of the switch, if you will, of, of better things to come. The Raiders have been really good uh, in their opening games for the past couple of years, but not necessarily as they've progressed. So we'll certainly see. I think they showed some really tough mentality. Like you said, Derek Carr uh, really, really played lights out. He had 300 yards passing, like you said. 400. It, I think it's really uh, interesting to know. Yes, sorry, excuse me, 400. So in five of his last six games, he's thrown 300-plus yards in his previous 39 before that, he'd only done that four times. So wow. I think it's really starting to click with this Gruden offense, uh, with Derek Carr. I think he's feeling confidence moving there, and we'll certainly see. I mean, when you have a weapon like Darren Waller, and if some of those young guys, we saw some really great flash from from Henry Ruggs. Obviously, Zay Jones caught that touchdown there in overtime. Brian Edwards see, caught the ball Brian that Edwards. looked like the game winner. Yeah. He, he definitely started showing as well. So if we see these young guys really continue to step up, this Vegas team could be absolutely really tough. And again, another team that I mentioned when we talked about them that I desperately wanted to pick, but I was really terrified of their offensive line, which looked pretty solid for most of the night. And 
I don't know. You're right. It did start off kind of kind of slow. It was punt, punt, punt. Uh, Ravens touchdown. Punt, punt, punt. Ravens touchdown. That's how the game started uh, with the first eight drive or yeah, first eight drives. Fourteen nothing. Ravens, uh, and then obviously the Raiders marched on a on a nine play drive to finish with that Jacob score, and from there it was a pretty darn good game. Uh, a couple of notables I wanted to point out: the the youngster Tyson Williams did have sixty five yards and a touchdown. Only nine carries, though. I was surprised that they kept peppering in Latavius Murray, who did score a touchdown, but was under three yards a carry, and they gave him ten total carries. I was just it was interesting that they kept giving him and Trenton Cannon carries when Tyson Williams to me looked so much better than the two of them. I'll, well, it'll be fascinating to see how that continues and how that gets divvied up heading into the the coming weeks, especially if if and when Le'Veon Bell gets peppered in. Uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously, still their number one guy with 12 carries for 86 yards. He looked fresh. He looked good. Uh, one, uh, Two notables I do want to point out. This big story is about the wide receivers. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, six catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. And Sammy Watkins had four catches for 96 yards. So... So some weapons yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty disappointed by Sammy Watkins, though. It's not the 200 that we've come to expect in Not the three one, touchdowns so in week I one. <laughs> was let down. I agree with you about Latavius Murray. I think, obviously, he was probably the back that was most ready to come in and make an impact. And I think that's why he was elevated over names like Bell or even Freeman. But I think either of those guys, and Bell has become a huge butt of jokes. I understand it. It's been annoying. He's not the same running back that he was in Pittsburgh, but he can absolutely come in and average 3.4 yards a carry or whatever that Latavius Murray did. Yeah, Latavius Murray was football, two, which Latavius Murray was 2.8 yards a carry, so he wasn't that great. Yeah, no, it was it was not great for Latavius Murray, and I understand the wanting to sign him. I think he does seem like the kind of prototypical Baltimore Ravens running back. They want the big bruiser guy, but he did not look good last night. Granted, he's been there for like two days, so maybe we have to lay off a little bit, but I definitely do not suspect that Latavius Murray is still going to be the number two guy going forward, I do think. Because they also didn't target running backs a whole lot. And when they did, some of it was on Lamar Jackson. But there were some drops. There were some things where running backs had to adjust and they just weren't comfortable. I think Le'Veon Bell can slide in there and fill that role fairly well. Yeah, and even then, Tyson Williams, three catches, 30 yards. He just looked really great. I was surprised that they only gave him 12 total touches. I just, I thought he, and again, on his one touchdown run, it was electric. He just ran past everybody. So, so yeah. Well, yeah, it was good to see him score that yeah. touchdown. Now, he, he is coming off, I, I mean... I say coming off. It was a couple years ago. It was when he was in college, but he had his own leg injuries. So they probably maybe didn't want to overwork when they've seen so much already happen. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Yeah. So obviously the Raiders uh, be featured a little bit later, but they have a big game against the Pittsburgh Steelers who upset my Buffalo Bills. And then the Ravens, like we just mentioned, have the Kansas City Chiefs coming into town. Two huge games for week two. Awesome. We got some cold reads, man. You got some cold reads? Uh, so instead of cold reads, I wanted to kind of play with the whole overreaction Monday. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to pitch a couple of scenarios to you and tell me if it's overreaction or if it's accurate. Okay. So I'm going to go it. ahead with Love that it. instead of cold reads. Okay, awesome. So my very first one is that Darren Waller, that we've already talked about a couple of times, like I said, uh, topped his career high in targets, 19. He is going to top Travis Kelsey's tight end records from last year this year the the you mean like the yardage records uh yardage yeah i will say i will say this 
Kelsey topped Kittle's record from the year years previous. So it would make sense that we're just one by one by one going with the tight end position being it is now. But I'm going to say overreaction. I know he was pretty great. I know that he had about 20 targets. I do expect him to be heavily targeted in the offense. But we just mentioned the young receivers coming on, uh, a young veteran in Zay Jones that obviously caught that touchdown pass but was getting involved. They really love Hunter Renfro. Brian Edwards looked great. Henry Ruggs was involved. I just think all those guys will be more and more involved as the year goes on. And they have two good running backs in Jacobs and Drake. So I just... I I don't really see him. I know he will be the focal point still, especially in the aerial attack. I just don't see him having that massive of a season. So I think that's an overreaction. All right. All right. Number two, Saquon Barkley is washed. He is done. Overreaction. Guys, the man I know is a monster. And in some ways, he's a machine compared to us. And his thigh muscles are bigger than my head, which is saying something. I just... Like the man's coming off major injury, you know he 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 didn't look his best, but he also wasn't awful either. He's just working his way back in. I mean, he was questionable two days uh, two days before Sunday, and you know it wasn't confirmed that he was going to play until Sunday morning. So I think they're just working him in, and he's going to continue to grow in the offense. I think Saquon Barkley will be just fine. I think it's an overreaction. He's not washed. So this one, I don't know, this maybe kind of is a cold read more so than an overreaction, but with those quarterback injuries and some quarterbacks looking better than others, Cam Newton is going to find a job within the next two weeks. Uh, so, no, I don't think he will. I don't think Cam Newton's going to sign with any team this this season. I think that Cam Newton might might be done with football. He might sign in the offseason next year. I don't see a, a team with a massive need enough to do it. I Washington would be the only one to monitor, but I will say this. They did talk in the offseason, and Ron Rivera said he had he had a lot of fond memories with Cam but wasn't interested in bringing him to this team. I don't know if that carries over now with injuries or whatever, but he did flat out say that, and there's not really another team that I'm looking at that I think would do it. So, no, I don't think that he will sign with the team this year. All right. Last but not least, Jameis Winston, 2021 NFL MVP. Well, if he continues on his 86 touchdown pace for the season, sure. Yeah, he's got a shot. <laughs> no, I think it's an overreaction. I think that Green Bay was unprepared, and it was one of those games we talk about this every year. There's a couple of games that just get out of hand way too early, and there's no way to salvage it, and there's no way to stop it. It's just one of those bury that tape in the ground games. I think that was one of those games. Jameis is going to have a great year. We talked about LASIK Jameis, and we made fun of it, poked a little fun at it, but in, in all seriousness, he looks great. I'm happy for the kid. And he deserves all the, all the respect in the world for how he came back from what he was when he was younger in terms of a man and in terms of a player. Uh, he seems like a different person. I'm happy for him. But no, I don't think Jameis Winston is the MVP. Well, there we go. Those are some overreactions that right. I gathered from, from week one. All right. So. so my cold reads are actually this kind of the same thing. So they're kind of like okay. overreactions that I'm throwing at you too. So we mentioned this. The AFC and NFC East. Or uh, no, not Easts, Wests. Excuse me. The AFC and NFC Wests are both four and zero. Uh, are these the new two best divisions in football? 
Um, I don't know if I would say that they're the best divisions. Obviously, right now their record supports that, but I do think, you know, there is just, we said it at the very beginning of the episode, it's great to win, but nothing is, is won and lost in week one. So I do think there are still some really good teams that went down in week one that could certainly tip that scale. So I'm going to say, no, not the best. Okay, okay. So now Miami Dolphins in the AFC East are the only team that won in the AFC East last week. Obviously, they beat the Patriots in their own division. Uh, Pittsburgh upset Buffalo in Buffalo. And then, of course, the Jets lost. So what ended up being a close game down here in Carolina against the Panthers. Nobody really picked Miami to win the division. It was either Buffalo or if anybody was picking a sleeper, it was more New England than Miami. So... Did we all make a mistake not picking Miami to win this division? I wouldn't say so, even coming from the Dolphins fan. I think this week is going to be very telling. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes in Pal's picks, but I still think that Miami is the wild card to represent that division as a whole unless Josh Allen shows some major regression. I think he did show some minor signs of that, but again, it's it's week one. It's a great defense. It could be a fluke. I don't expect it to continue. I still think that they are the team to compete. They have the most veteran-led team that they have been there before, and in my opinion, that's really important. So no, I will not say okay. that the Dolphins at this moment are going to win the division. Okay, so uh, we talked a lot about, between the two of us, about a lot of overreactions and stuff, and for the most part, both of us said, hey, cool the Jets, which is funny because I'm normally the overreactor. So I want you to overreact right now. What is your biggest overreaction from the weekend? What's the thing that happened that you're like, nope, we're right to overreact. This is, this is happening. Okay, so... Maybe going back, and this is maybe maybe contradictory, maybe that's not the right word, but we were talking about all the accolades for the Lions. In my opinion, I, I was high on the, the 49ers, their defense obviously returning a ton of injured players, and there's obviously the factor of working that in and getting back into football shape and just getting back out and doing that, but I thought... It was totally inexcusable, as cool as it was for the Lions. I thought it was totally inexcusable for a defense of that caliber to let that happen. So my overreaction is that the 49ers' defense is not what it once was. It's cooked. They lost some veteran leadership. They don't have Sherm there anymore. They obviously uh, don't have quite the same linebacking court that they had uh, during their Super Bowl run. I think the overreaction is that they, they're just not the same team. They will be middle of the pack, but... You know, if a team like the Lions can sneak up, then then anybody can. So they're okay. nothing special. All right, but we'll have to we'll have to watch. Obviously, Arizona looked fantastic. Russell Wilson did what he always does in the start of the season, the last couple of years, and everybody's going to be like <laughs> MVP Russ hasn't received an MVP vote. MVP Russ, and then by week nine, he won't be playing as well, and we'll forget about him. But and obviously, the Rams looked great. So yeah, uh, great division, tough division. Obviously, uh, they all won their games too. So. The NFC, yeah. the NFC West undefeated as well. So, yeah, awesome. Okay, cool. Well, I need your help on this one, okay? You can't – when we move on to this next segment, we can't drop this Ooh. one. This one's important. All right. It is time for – Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. Pals Picks. Why don't you give a recap for us, uh, Mr. – Mr. Uh, what, what's the word? You're the accountant of Pals Picks. You're the arbiter. Uh, I would just say I am the record the record keeper. Why don't you yeah. give us an official record keeping of what happened last week? Whoa, Mr. Falcons, <laughs> calm down there for a hot second, okay? 
So Adam started out pretty well. He's off to a two to one lead. I stumbled out of the gate uh, due to listening to Adam and also an overtime fumble. Oh man! So I just seem to have really bad luck in Pals picks. So I'm zero and three. Adam is two and one. So here we go. We're starting the year off super super well in my favor. It's fantastic. It always ends up getting close by the end of the end of the year anyway. Um, but yeah. So it is my turn to pick. Josh picked off. Uh, first last week so I will start this week we're going to the Thursday night game the Washington football team the newly started Taylor Heineke it makes me feel a little bit better now that you said you don't know if maybe Taylor Heineke is a better option than Ryan Fitzpatrick so maybe you'll be conflicted about this game with the New York football Giants facing the Washington football team yeah, uh, like I said earlier on, I feel like Ty- Taylor Heineke might be a better option at quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick to begin with. I think Daniel Jones still has the turnover bug, which obviously stinks uh, for him because if he keeps doing that, we're not going to see Daniel Jones as a starter for too much longer. Maybe some fans are happy about that. Uh, I, I kind of like the kid still, but obviously he can't be turned the football over. This is still, I think, a great defense. I think had Antonio Gibson not fumbled the football down at the goal line, Washington very well could have beat the Chargers. I'm going with Washington here. Okay, okay, here we go. So now, second, you mentioned a little bit earlier that we would probably talk about this game later. Uh, the Dolphins coming up with a big one-point win against the New England Patriots and Buffalo getting smacked in the mouth a little bit by Pittsburgh at home. Now travel to Miami, the Buffalo Bills against the Dolphins. Yeah, so this one, this is... First of all, jerk move to give me this football game, but it's fine. Uh, so I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think the Dolphins very well can win this football game. Okay. But I think there are a lot of factors being down in Florida early on in the year, but Josh Allen performs really well in Miami. He so does, I'm going yes. To, I'm going to pick the Bills for Pal's picks, but I am kind of picking the Dolphins to win in real life. Interesting. Uh, I I think there is a, a lot going on here that very well could be in the Dolphins' favor, but until I see it really click with the Dolphins, I don't think they've hit their potential. I don't know if they do it week two against the Bills, and if the Bills live up to the potential that they have, that they should have brought into week one, then I don't. I think it's going to be a good game regardless, but I think the Bills definitely have it. So I think the Dolphins very well could win, but I'm going with the Bills in this exercise. <laughs> okay, okay. You're right. It is a little bit of a jerk move, but I will say I just was really interested on your perspective, and I thought it would be fun to put it in pass picks because I legitimately don't know how to feel about the game either because Miami did look pretty stout, uh, especially on defense. Uh, but obviously, yeah. I mean, so we can we can talk about this for a hot second. I think, like I said, whether or not right now there are some early forecasts of rain going on. If that's true, then I feel like. The Bills struggled a little bit with with their efficiency, with their with Allen's accuracy. I think that could play a role. If not, then obviously it's going to be baking late summer heat in, in Miami, which I think you know whether or not you think that's a thing. I think that it is a thing. I think we saw it in in the Green Bay New Orleans game. I think just Green Bay wasn't prepared. It was over 100 degrees there, and I think they played sloppily. That wasn't the only reason whatsoever, but I think that does play a role into into getting gassed and whatnot you know uh yeah i think it's just really interesting devin singletary did start to run the couple times they gave him the football finally 
We'll see if they do that a little bit more against a fairly susceptible Miami defense against the run. We'll see how Miami's cornerbacks mm-hmm. lock up mm-hmm. against the Buffalo's wide receivers. So we'll see. I think it will help to get Austin Jackson back for Miami. That will allow Mike Kosicki to be on the field a little bit more where they had Durham Smythe in to continue blocking for, for the rookie tackle um, Eichenberg. So, you know, hopefully we'll get a little more Mike Kosicki because we got a root okay. for Penn State guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, my, Josh Allen is 5-1 and one against the Miami Dolphins, his best career against any NFL team. His only loss coming in his rookie year, week 13, which is the infamous Charles Clay dropped the dropped the ball in the end zone, couldn't quite come back to it play, uh, where <laughs> Allen also had a dominant day. So Allen's al- always been dominant against Miami. Uh, we actually went to the one – uh, that that season in week 17 at the end of the year where Allen had his, his big five touchdown perform total touchdown performance so you're right he does perform great against the Dolphins but I, I'd be lying if I wasn't say a little bit worried because they did sputter out of the gate a little bit on offense albeit against a pretty great defense we all agree uh, but Miami looked Miami looked pretty good I I'm a little bit nervous about this weekend but it should be fun so let's go to the final game of Pals picks for you the Dallas Cowboys huge test against the upstart Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. Obviously, him and Brandon Staley's debut was pretty darn good against the Washington football team in defense. Herbert ended up over 300 yards in the score, and you know he did have a fumble and an interception. He had a couple turnovers, but he was pretty great from the pocket, getting Mike Williams involved, getting... Oh my gosh! Totally left my my mind for a second. Keenan Allen, excuse Keenan me. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, and one of our favorite players involved as well. And Dallas gets to travel to to the to L. A. to to face the Chargers. This is a huge game. It really is a huge game. This should be a really good one, and this could be a complete coin flip here of a game because it can go either way. In my opinion, I am going to slightly lean towards the visiting team, which is something I don't usually do, but I do like a ton of what I saw out of the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night. I'm picking them to beat the Chargers. Like I said, I think the Chargers were fairly lucky to escape uh, Washington with a win. I think if they make a mistake like that against the Cowboys, it won't necessarily have the same result. I think they get Zeke going a little bit more in this game than they did I shouldn't say a little bit more I think they're going to get Zeke going a lot more than they did against Tampa against the Chargers who were a little bit susceptible to Antonio Gibson and and that rushing attack so I am going with the Cowboys here all right all right just to recap for you sir our record keeper you did go with Washington at home with the newly starting quarterback Tater Heineke on Thursday night football you followed it up by saying you think the Dolphins probably could win but you're going to pick the Bills for this exercise and finish it off with the Dallas Cowboys winging against the Los Angeles Chargers. Should be a lot of fun. We'll see if you end up going 3-0 after the 0-3 start. You know, got to get back on the board sometime, right? Right. (laughs) All right, over to you, my friend. We are switching the guard here, and we're going to go with your first game, the Raiders at the Steelers. You highlighted this game kind of. Now, what's your pick on it? Yeah, so I... this. Again, there's just so many great matchups, and I don't know if it's just so early in the year that we don't quite know how to how to pinpoint teams yet. So there's still a lot of excitement about every team right now, which is really cool. But I will say, I went back and forth in this game a lot, especially after watching what happened on Monday night because the Raiders really impressed me. 
But I'm going to pick the Steelers here. I think I'm turning a little bit on the Steelers. I obviously was really, really low on the Steelers. I I picked them to finish second to last in the division. I picked them to miss the playoffs. I just didn't think that this offense would get going. Now, I will say this. The offense did not look good against Buffalo. And I think that Buffalo's defense... Not not great. I do think Buffalo's defense is very good. But outside of one really great Najee Harris run, one fantastic Chase Claypool catch, and one sensational Deontay Johnson spinning around bobbling it in the corner of the end zone catch the that offense doesn't score at all against buffalo i mean it was just not that great but i don't think the raiders can move the ball against the pittsburgh steeler steeler defense it's just that steeler defense was ferocious looked fantastic and i was wrong didn't think they would come out come out as hot as they did and they really did against buffalo which against a lot of teams spread people out with four or five wide receivers and nobody could stop it. And the secondary of Steelers, which I thought was going to be a weakness, and it's still week one, I might be overreacting, looked really solid against Buffalo's four wide outset. So I'm going to go with the Steelers here. I just think that they keep it low low, low scoring enough where they can also run the ball. Uh, the Raiders did give up a lot of a fair amount of rushing yards to the Ravens. I think Najee Harris gets rolling against the, the, the Raiders this week. There we go. I like that. How about game number two? Matt Stafford and the Rams traveling to take on Carson Wentz and the Colts. Two new quarterbacks with new teams taking each other on. Yeah, man. I recalled the Colts winning the division, and they didn't look super solid against Seattle. Uh, and the Rams looked awesome. I'm sticking with the Rams, my Super Bowl pick. I just Matt like Sean McVay had the perfect opening with his new quarterback. And I and we th- I, I think I mentioned it on the show. If not, I mentioned it to a friend. I really think that Sean McVay never really liked Jared Goff personally and just really wanted to show everybody, look, I have a quarterback now. I can be awesome, which is kind of mean, but I still think that he was very much like, guys, look what I can do with this kind of quarterback. And I just think it continues against Indianapolis. I, I could be wrong about Indy, but I think Indy could be one of those teams that we all thought was going to be really great but might not be. We'll see what happens. It's still week one, like I said, overreacting. But I just think that this Rams team is really, really good. Very fair, very fair. So we're going to go to our third game and maybe looking even worse than the Colts in their division where the Tennessee Titans and they're taking on the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Houston Texans are going to win this division. That might be my recall next week. Yeah, I really, really, really don't know what happened to the Titans. Like I talked about Arizona's defense being better, and I talked about J.J. Watt, who looked great, and obviously Chandler Jones having his five-sack game. I, I like That defense looked great, and I don't know if it's just the defense or if their offense isn't quite as good as it is. I like probably think it's the, 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 the latter, not the former. But in Russ, I trust, too. I'm going to pick Seattle. I, th- I really liked what Seattle did to De- you know, in the first half, it was bomb after bomb to Tyler Lockett. And when when Indy tried to clamp that down and guard deep, it was over the middle and in the seams to DK Metcalf and scoring touchdowns that way. Chris Carson looked great. It just was overall the new look offense for, for Russell Wilson was awesome. And I'm just going to trust in him and go with Russell Wilson. There we go. So recap that. You have the Steelers taking down the Las Vegas Raiders, the Rams traveling to Indy and winning there, and the Seahawks winning at their at their home opener against the Tennessee Titans. Awesome, guys. That was Pal's Picks, and now it's time for Fantasy Corner. Yeah. We're winning. We're going, we're going undefeated. Simultaneous catch wow. can't be beat. I just jinxed us. Dang. I'm sorry. I'm knocking on one. Yeah, you Hold really on. did. Hold on. I just knocked on wood. It's so fine. We're okay. Let's head in there. Are you able to pull this up? <laughs> I do as have it up. Well, my friend? I do have it up, yes. Okay. So right now, first of all, 
after since the last time we've talked. Obviously, we didn't really talk about this news because it happened almost immediately after we recorded last. Right, week. right. Gus Edwards went down, everybody. So that was why that really hurt. We had the great Williams game that we were talking about earlier. So our first running back taken after we ignored running back for quite some time went down. So Gus really Edwards rough. is now on our IR. So we are hurting a little bit there. So we substituted James Conner. Uh, we also substituted Brandon Cooks into our slot over Juju. That worked out pretty darn well. Yeah, great call. So right now, we thank you. So we are technically 2-0 and because we are also playing the league median uh, when in this league. So we are 2-0. and So that is a good feeling. We did score pretty darn well. I, I, I think looking at... You know, sometimes when you have a victory, sometimes you can be like the lowest scoring team to to win in your league. Right, and you're like, right, I won, but right. what does that mean? I think we we scored fairly average compared to everyone else. Yeah. And, and that that's a good feeling. So it wasn't like we won well, scoring 99 and we, points. Well, and we beat. We played against just dunk. And for those of you who have never been in a league median league before, that means that they average the score of the teams and... If you beat that median score, meaning that if you scored a lot but you played the highest scoring team and lost, you still get you go one and one because you beat the average, meaning that your team was still good. So we did beat the median and win. So we were, I think, the the fourth highest scoring team in the league last week, or fifth, fourth or fifth. So yeah, we were right near the middle of a a, a, a little bit better than average of a twelve team league. Um, so yeah, we we did really really great job in that. So obviously led led by Patrick Mahomes and Travis McKelsey. We're McKelsey, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and then Devontae Adams who did it's not Travis Kels. It's Adam. so yeah right, Travis Kels. Um, so uh, it was kind of crazy that we won because James Conner wasn't that great. Devontae Adams didn't look that solid, and we still ended up winning despite that. Uh, obviously, Brandon Cooks huge game. Kelsey and Kels and Mahomes had great games. Robert Wood scored a touchdown, and Damian Harris looks pretty solid. But outside of that, we had a couple guys with a couple duds, and still ended up winning, which is a good feeling. So heading into this next week, uh, we were talking about yeah, we have some we have some discussions right. and decisions to make here. Right. We'll talk about it shortly on on the podcast here. So last week we did pick up Naeem Hines. Yep. So we are officially in the waiver period. So we have, even with our win, we still have the third overall waiver pick. So there we'll get, we'll get some kind of player. And I think we should make some sort of move here. So Elijah Mitchell, obviously the rookie corner running back, excuse me, for the San Francisco 49ers that came on really strong after Marie- Mostert went down, is probably going to be the number one ad guy. Do we put a claim in for funsies to see if for some reason nobody else in this league cares and we get him? We should also probably put something in there just in case we don't get him because odds are we probably won't. And then I think it's also worth looking at potentially talking about a new defense here. Yes, absolutely. So I will say this. I think that we absolutely should put in a claim. Uh, Josh and I use the Sleeper app. We talked about that. And it always tells you how many times a player has been added on the trending part. And Elijah Mitchell has been added like one and a half million times in the last couple of days. So he's obviously by far the top claim. Uh, I will say this. I think we should... So, oh, go ahead. We should put in a claim for Mitchell. I don't hate putting a claim in for Mark Ingram. He had 26 carries. I don't think that that I don't think that that's a fluke. I think that they really want to use use him and use all their running backs. Who did all of them did get some work, but Mark Ingram looked pretty pretty solid. He got a lot of carries. I think they're committed to that. Um, and then 
at terms of running back still. I don't hate putting in a claim for Kenneth Gainwell. He actually was really utilized. Yeah. And if Miles Sanders goes down at all, I think he's a great add. And then another running back is Cordero Patterson, another guy that was really utilized. So those are a couple of running backs that I think we could put in claims for. But I really, really think Eliza Mitchell is definitely, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer to put it in a claim for him. My only question being is, we're, we're the third waiver claim, you said? Correct. Yeah. So... Do we want to even put Elijah Mitchell as our first claim knowing we probably won't get him? Or what happens is if one and two claim him, we just get our second one, right, as our first one? Yes. So then, yeah, we should order which players we want. So in my opinion, out of those guys you mentioned, I definitely was super impressed with Mark Ingram, but I feel like a lot of that was game script where they were just ahead and Trevor Lawrence kept fair, running the football over, fair. so they were awarded the luxury to run that That's much. That's fair. I don't know if that plays so much with Houston moving forward to run the ball 26 times with one guy. Okay. And their other running backs still got to touch the ball a little bit. Yep, David Johnson so I'm, scored. I'm a little... I'm a little bit weary of Mark Ingram. I am really high. I'm glad that you highlighted Kenny Gainwell. He was very involved. I don't love him being in Philly. I talked about that. It's pretty well documented. But he did make opportunity when opportunity arose. So I think right now we put the claim in for Mitchell, and I would love to have Kenny Gainwell as a solid number two right there. Okay, so so we'll say we'll put in a claim. We're adding Mitchell and dropping who? So right now it's between one of our two backs, Le'Veon Bell or Tevin Coleman. Obviously, we didn't get to see Le'Veon Bell. He did not suit up. I still kind of have high ex- – I don't want to say high expectations. I think they're semi-limited. I don't think he's going to come out and be the second coming of Le'Veon Bell from 2016. Trev- Tevin Coleman, I know we talked about getting the opportunity to start, but he did not look good in that opportunity. He did not look that great. So it's between no. those It's between those two guys right now for me. And I have Tevin Coleman in a lot of leagues, and he's my number one drop guy in most of my leagues. So I'm okay putting in the claim Mitchell drop Coleman and then also putting in the claim Gainwell drop Coleman so that we just get one okay. of those. You know what I mean? We get at least one of those. I agree. I think that's the best way to do it. And then I will say – on the case that we don't get either either of those, we could reevaluate later in the week. Uh, I wouldn't. Right after this point, it'll kind of be just grab what you want. Right. So if we don't get either of those, we can just be like, hey, like let's do this now. So let's take a quick look at defense, real quick. So obviously we have the Panthers. I don't want to play the Panthers against the Saints. Um, I don't. Obviously Pittsburgh is on waivers right now. I don't love Pittsburgh, even though they're a great defense against against Vegas. Like we'll see what happens, but I know I just talked them up a little bit, but I don't love that. Um, are there other teams that kind of stick out to you in terms of defense? Uh, just going down that list. Obviously Pittsburgh is really alluring. I know we were just talking about Vegas's offense, but they would at least get whatnot, sacks. It's, probably it's a it's a pretty juicy matchup or pretty juicy team just to have. The New Orleans Saints are still a team that has a pretty ferocious defense. And if you scroll down a little bit, the Arizona Cardinals are sitting there as well. They play oh, yeah, Minnesota true. this week. All right, so I would say between Pittsburgh and Arizona is what we should put in the claim for. And I will leave it up to you between those two. Uh, that's such pressure. <laughs> you were right. You, right nailed, well you, nailed, you nailed Carolina. So. so I will do that off of air. The last thing that I want to talk to you about, obviously we were just talking about the game. Arizona versus Minnesota. 
James Conner is still technically in our starting lineup. He did have ample opportunity. He did carry 16 times. He did. Only for 53 yards, was not targeted. Those all went to Chase Edmonds. What are your opinions about sliding our free agent acquisition, Naeem Hines, up there in place of James Conner right now? Uh, I don't hate the matchup for sure because I think that he can get some. He, I think he led the Colts in targets overall. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Naheem Hines. That is did. correct. Um, yeah, he ran nine times for 34 yards and caught six of eight targets for 48. So yards. definitely evolved. Definitely the third round back, third down back. I like that James Conner got 16 carries overall. Obviously, Chase Edmonds got all the targets, but it seems like whenever they're passing, that. Edmonds is in the game, but Edmonds isn't always getting the targets because they have so many other passing targets. I like knowing that Connor's going to get the rushes and possible goal line work. They didn't have a lot of that in the game against Tennessee. Tennessee got kind of out of hand. I don't hate switching it, um, but I kind of like the Minnesota matchup seeing how Joe Mixon ran against them. All right. Well, we will leave it in here for now. Yeah, we'll talk, we can talk about it later. Is a backup option because maybe we'll want to start one of these guys we pick up. Who knows? For sure, so we'll absolutely. See what happens after tomorrow? I would definitely so start. Right now, I would definitely start Elijah, Elijah Mitchell over James Conner if we ended up getting him. I'll say that. Okay, so right now we are still with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. We have James Conner and Damian Harris as our running backs. Devontae Adams and Robert Woods at wide receiver. Travis Kels at tight end. Brandon Cooks in the flex. Justin Tucker, uh, and then we're playing around with our defense. So. All right. Yep. Uh, any uh, any fantasy players to watch out for this week that you think might have a big week or anything like that? I don't know what to say about a big week because I feel like there was such a weird hodgepodge of either players exploding right. in the form of Tyree Kill or there were players doing absolutely nothing as in a ton of big-time ticket players, Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, uh, even Robert Woods didn't do spectacular. Brandon Ayuk was very, very limited. That was a player I was high on. Yep. I think Ezekiel Elliott is a player that I think will have a, a bounce back. So I think maybe not somebody necessarily to look out for. I don't have an answer off the top of my head, but I feel like okay. we're going to see a lot more normal fantasy football this, I agree. this week. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to put up three fantasy nope. points again. Nope, so. nope, not at all. And I will say this as mine, just a little bonus. I think Calvin Ridley will have a huge bounce back. Obviously, the Dallas defense or the Dallas offense kind of threw all over Tampa Bay's defense. And a lot of that has to do with Dak Prescott being awesome and them having a lot of weapons. But I think Calvin Ridley will have a huge bounce back game against Tampa Bay. But that's just me being a Falcons homer. So regardless. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Don't well, listen no, to me, though. I lost, Don't listen to me. I lost by 100 points in our dynasty league. So. So he only he <laughs> caught, like, what, like five balls or something like yeah, that? Yeah. It was three on the first drive. And then he didn't catch another one until the fourth quarter. It was kind of weird. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. So. Well, anyways, there we go. Simultaneous catch. We're off to a 2-0 and start. Absolutely. All right. So oh, I, I lost my uh, rundown here. All right. So cool. That was Fantasy Corner. Uh, that's all I have for today. I don't have any prop tables or tidbits. If you have anything, go ahead. Otherwise, we've got some friends fortune coming up here. Yeah, no, I I do not. I have one tidbit, and that will that will do it. And it's just going back to those Cleveland Browns. I highlighted Baker Mayfield a couple weeks ago about being a potential MVP dark horse. I think it's worth note, though, that Baker Mayfield is the first time. Let me pull this up just to make sure that I'm saying this correctly. This is the first Cleveland Browns quarterback to start three week one games since the since Bernie Kosar did it uh, between 1986 and 1990. What? So, say that. Hold on. Say that one more time. That's crazy. 
Baker Mayfield is the first Browns quarterback to start three straight Week 1 games since Bernie Kosar did it uh, during his time in Cleveland between the years of 1986 and 1993. Dude, Jesus, Crow, that's nuts, man. Well, hey, Cleveland's got a quarterback. I know that there's going to be a lot of debate about Baker Mayfield uh, into this season and throughout. Obviously, we talked about him as a dark horse MVP candidate. Uh, Mike picked them to be in the Super Bowl, so there's a lot there's a lot going on there. But Baker looked really darn good, besides that one unfortunate interception at the end of the game. Right, and that that that's a fluke. It, I I will say that I I wouldn't say that I root against Cleveland so much. I think I've definitely come down on that. But that was that was a fluke play. That wasn't a bad decision. It was just him throwing the ball away, but didn't get the arm strength on it because of the trip. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, you ready for friends fortune? Let's do it. All right, so I went first last week, and you went second, so we'll swap it because you also got it correct. We figured this out now. You can hit mute, and it works perfectly, so just unmute when you're done, my friend. Three, two, go. I love Adam Rossi. (laughs) Okay, anyways, so we were talking about one of the reads that I gave Adam was Saquon Barkley is done, and we will see the Giants on Thursday Night Football against the Washington football team. I did pick the Washington football team to win the game, but I think we see a bounce-back game for Saquon Barkley. He's come out and said that the quick turnaround is not ideal for him, but you know what? I think it is going to be ideal for him because I think we're going to see Saquon Barkley go off for 125-plus scrimmage yards, still in a loss, but we're going to see some vintage Saquon Barkley come Thursday night. All righty. Okay. All right. It's time to tie the score. So I'm going to go in three, two, one. Okay, so last week we had still no go. We had a little bit of a discrepancy in rushing. Okay, so there were only five running backs in the entire NFL that went over a hundred yards last week, and a couple that were in the nineties, and then there were seven backs that had twenty or more attempts, uh, none having thirty, only two over twenty-five attempts, and then there were two running backs total that had over that had more than one rushing touchdown that each had two rushing touchdowns. So I think this week out of all the games, there will be at least five players in the entire NFL that go for uh, over that go for at least two rushing touchdowns this week. Okay. So I, there, again, there were only five that had a hundred rushing yards and there were seven that had 20 or more attempts. So there were more attempts than there were guys with more rushing yards. And I think that that translates to more scoring than you would think. I know that sounds kind of confusing. Josh is probably going, what right now when he's listening to this, but my friend's fortune is at least five players will go for two or more rushing touchdowns this weekend. Okay, cool. So I think mine was at least more fun this time. I I, I, I got really worried. I thought you like passed no, out. Mine mine got kind of convoluted and I mixed myself up a little bit. So it's fine. But I landed <laughs> I landed on it and I th- love when that happens. I definitely think it's a lot more fun than just Big Ben and Josh Allen will both have four touchdowns. So. Um, I don't know. That sounds pretty fun. It, right. And, and it would have been fun if it would have been even remotely close, regardless. <laughs> All right. Anything else we got for today, pal? There we go. I just uh, am excited to be back. Week one is in the books. We're heading towards week two. And if it didn't go your way, don't get, quote, ticked off like Lamar Jackson was last night. Uh, We're all okay, everybody. Happy, 
happy, happy to have football back. Thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch, everybody. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can still join into our pick pool if you would like to. Uh, it is on The link is still on the post in the Instagram. The winner at the end of the season with the most points, you get a point per correct game. In the playoffs, they're worth two points per game. So you can still catch up. Well, you know, I picked three wrong. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you, can still, you can still catch up and join in. A winner at the end of the season when we get to the Super Bowl does win a free jersey of the their choice i will also say when we ran the uh the our first contest the winner nicole lassie wanted a sweatshirt instead of a jersey and we got her that too so it's a, you you can yeah, change well, it if see, you want to you, but last year you called it team apparel and now you're being super specific with jersey we're flexible here on Simon Tennis sketch thanks for listening everybody <laughs> we will see you next week enjoy your weekend god bless